Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Property Management Show. Today, uh, Marie and I will be talking to John, the CEO of Four and Half, and Matt Simons, the general manager of Abodia. Um, this is part of our series on bottlenecks to profitability. And today's focus would be maintenance as a bottleneck to profitability and what property management company owners can do to mitigate that. Stay tuned. This podcast episode is sponsored by PM Grow Summit. It is the annual conference for growth-minded property management entrepreneurs. The fourth PM Grow will be in Austin, Texas from May 27 to 29, 2020. Go to pmgrowsummit.com today to register. Hey, Matt. Hey, John. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, name's Matt Simons. I'm the general manager at uh, Abodia. Uh, I was brought in here mm, about a year and a half ago uh, to, to really build up the, the, the customer service component of uh, the company's uh, maintenance coordination uh, support business. Right, and you came out of a, a call center, the call center business? Yeah, about 20 years, actually, working for, for various companies in uh, BPO space internationally, um, for, you know, directly for companies stateside. I uh, spent the, the previous mm, about four years uh, working for a, a Fortune 50 company in, in Illinois as a consultant. And um, it's, it's really been, been great to put down roots uh, with, with Bodia and help uh, contribute to its growth. Great. So now, uh, uh, a number of our listeners may not be familiar with Bodia, especially since it's a recent name change. Sure. Uh, I can t- tell you to tell our listeners that is about uh, your company. Sure. Um, Bodia was, was actually, it's, it's a new brand. Um, it's, uh, was announced in April of this year, um, and it replaces our, our previous name and brand, which was Supertenders, um, which was actually uh, second generation name, I guess I would say. Um, the company was initially incorporated as Night Tenders and really was the first in our space, which was to, to provide after hours uh, support to property managers so that they didn't get interrupted in, in the middle of the night or in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner with, with a maintenance call from a tenant, right? Um, you know, my, my kitchen's flooding, my bathroom's flooding, my power just went out. It's 105 degrees and, and my air conditioner isn't working. Um, so Night Tenders was created by a, a property management veteran, 20 years in the business. Uh, she recognized that maintenance could be a, a major pain point for, for property management companies and decided, you know what, she was going to take her expertise and do something about it. So yeah, so a little background, one of the reasons that I'm sitting here between uh, Marie and Brittany is because Matt and I attended uh, a sales conference in Nashville and we were chatting about Abodia and what it did. And, and part of that was is the, the original concept of night tenders, very simple. We're going to answer the phone while you're, while you're not there. But it evolved from that. And sure. the point of, of today's today's podcast is it involved in, in, in a way that you know you're now helping yeah, remove bottlenecks to proper uh, sorry bottlenecks to profitability when it comes to maintenance I mean, most people are you know they're making some amount of money on maintenance but they could be making more sure right? so what are what are some of these things that you had seen or that Abodi had seen within the industry that was holding holding it back well a lot of it was was just scale of operations, that, that became a, a huge thing that, that we discovered. Um, you know, we had you know, customers who were, were, were smaller or more of a startup basis, 
And you know, they were dedicating just an inordinate amount of resources and time towards maintenance. And, and maintenance really becomes one of those things that um, is somewhat unpredictable. You know, it's, it's not like collecting your rent on a monthly basis or doing disbursements or whatnot. You could go months and months with, without any maintenance issues from a property, or you could have three in a single month. And so it becomes difficult, particularly at a small scale, to, to staff appropriately, to allocate the resources that you need so that you could, could efficiently, you know, manage those issues and, and dispatch the appropriate vendors and, uh, you know, really handle that part of the business. Um, which is, is very delicate. I mean, because you have to consider every issue as, as an individual issue. They all vary with importance and urgency. Some of them could be threatening the, the, the property with some real long-term sustained damage. Um, others could be threatening the, the quality of life of the tenant. And in those cases, you, know, you have to make what can sometimes be a subjective judgment call that, hey, I need to get this fixed immediately, um, even if it's three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, all of that really, it, it detracts from the work-life balance of employees. It creates the opportunity for mistakes to be made, and mistakes can be very, very costly. Um, and you know, those mistakes can lead to, to customer churn, not, not necessarily for us, but for the, the actual property manager. They're working with their property owners, and those property owners have, have set expectations that they don't need to worry about these things. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, maintenance can become an enormous pain point. You know, vendors, it's... it's a very difficult challenge, small or large, to, to go ahead and build a degree of trust and confidence with a, a vendor list, to, to build it out so that you've got three or four vendors for every specialty, so that you know, no matter what happens, what time of day, what season of the year, um, that you can get somebody on the phone immediately and get them sent out to a property. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources, not just to build, um, but to maintain, not just to do, but to do right. And, um, you know, from a cost perspective, it can become overwhelming. Even, even for large-scale operations, it can become overwhelming. Um, on, on the flip side of that, though, you know, there, there are revenue streams associated with it, which can, can more than offset the cost, um, and in some cases, significantly more. One of the things that, you know, that we, we kind of chatted about a little bit in Nashville was, you know, the, the entire you know, maintenance experience for property managers really kind of resting on a spectrum, right? It, it being... You know, on, on the, the one side and on the far left, um, it can be a, a big cost center. Um, you know, if, if you're not sure what you're doing, if, if you're not appropriately scaled, if you're not allocated correctly, if, if you don't have the, the expertise behind it, um, you, can, you can lose customers, you can lose, you know, or create damage to properties, uh, all of these things that, that create costs, in addition to obviously staffing, et cetera. Um, but on the flip side, it, it can also be, a significant revenue stream for property managers. Um, you know, most property managers, you know, they, they view maintenance and, and they're, they're very upfront with, with property owner customers about this as, hey, look, maintenance is something separate than, than what our, our normal you know, property management fee is for. Maintenance is unexpected. It's, it's unpredictable. And along those lines, you know, we have to treat each maintenance issue um, as, a, as a single event, um, I guess would be, be the best term for it. Um, so what ends up happening is, you know, there's, there's an override that, that they can, you know, charge on service vendor dispatches to, to help, you know, compensate and get them back, make them whole, so to speak, on the time that they spend uh, addressing that maintenance issue. Um, so if that is not effectively communicated to, to tenants, or excuse me, to property owners in advance, there can be, there can be issues. Um, if, if, you know, that override is significantly under 
what the local market is charging for dispatching those vendors and managing that process, um, you know, you're, you're going to be leaving money on the table. If it's significantly more, uh, you're going to be losing customers because they're going to look at it and say, you're overbilling me. What, is the, what would you say is the first step if they want to move to a higher level of profitability in, in, uh, in what they're doing? Let's say it's, yeah, just in general. Is there, is, do you have a general best, uh, best uh, first step? Uh, know your numbers. Know your ratios. Um, and, you know, it, it, that, that seems like that would be, you know, obvious to any business person. Um, but maintenance is its own animal. And it, it kind of needs to be viewed that way. Um, I, I often think of it as, as almost a siloed operation. And, and the reason for that is you, you kind of have to understand um, the, the, the costs that you incur on that side. Um, they're different from the rest of the business. The revenues, they're different from the rest of the business. Um, you could be running a, a company and, and that silo could be a profit center for you for, for months or even for years. Um, but if you're not constantly going back and looking at it and making the determination, evaluating it within that silo as its own business unit and evaluating all of those elements that contribute to cost and contribute to revenue and trending them and understanding where they're coming from, um, you'll fall victim to, to cost creep is, is kind of what I call it because very, very quickly, you'll find that an inefficiency will factor against another inefficiency and will become you know, exponentially more significant in, in your, your bottom line. Um, that's, that's difficult. But if you know the numbers and, and you stay on top of them and you're able to maintain those ratios the way that they should be, whether that be, you know, we, we found an industry average that we like to go with is kind of a 400 to one ratio, 400 units to every one in-house maintenance coordinator. Um, and, and that's our ratio. Certainly other companies you know, may have their own, but using that as an example, you know, if you're at 200 to one, then you're, you're not really utilizing that staff the way that it needs to be utilized. Um, if you're at 600 to one, well, you're overutilizing that individual and you're going to create problems. There's going to be distractions. Things aren't going to be attended to uh, with as much precision and, and as much urgency necessarily as they should be. Um, but if you stay on top of the numbers, you, you can manage all of that. I mean, there are, there are companies out there um, like, like Profit Coach, for example, that, that are, are very effective in, in helping, you know, on a consulting basis, doing that type of analysis to make sure that it's kept on track. So you'd mentioned, yeah, talking about uh, staffing and, and if you have an overloaded maintenance coordinator. So one of the things that I see in dealing with the companies that I, that I talk to on a regular basis, and, and it isn't within my core business, it's just something I notice is so often we're in a video meeting, we're talking about marketing, and somebody's knocking on the door from their company because there is an emergency maintenance question that only the owner apparently can handle. It's <laughs> more common than I think that it should, and and uh, and I'm I'm guessing that you know that that uh, this is something that that is going to be a problem there. It is, yeah, yeah, it is, and it's yeah. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily um, an, an indicator of the, the owner's level of expertise versus the staff members, or maybe it's an issue of confidence, or maybe it's just the way that the business is structured and, and the owners made it very clear that a significant issue, you know, no matter how obvious the resolution may be, but if it's a significant issue, it needs to be run past them. Um, property owners, uh, or excuse me, property managers, you know, they take ownership of their businesses and it's admirable. It's, oh, yeah. It really is because especially in today's day and age, so often you see too many things being delegated in other businesses, um, but they want to own it. They want to be accountable for, for their business. Um, but 
it, it can create a problem. It can be a distraction for them. It can stop them from, from really focusing on growing their business, which is, is clearly the number one goal, right? Um, and, and it being a distraction can, can lead to a poor customer experience. Um, you know, the last thing you want is, is to get a reputation that, you know, that really starts with tenants, particularly in the, in the, you know, the Yelp era, right? That, um, hey, as a property manager, you don't care about your tenants. You left me in the wind. You left me waiting. You left me this. You left me that. That one review, no matter how grounded in reality it may or may not be, that's damaging because it's not just tenants that are going to steer clear of you as a result of it. It's also potential property owner customers. Um, so you, you really need to be very, very in tune with the, the quality of the customer experience and staying on top of it. And, you know, if you're taking ownership as a property manager, if all of your maintenance processes and, and, and you don't necessarily have the confidence in your subordinates or, or to, to delegate um, those pieces on a, you know, boy, it, it can create a major problem. Well, and I, I think that a lot of that also though is, is um, it's operationalizing, right? It's, it's sure. having specific standards and procedures. We were talking about this at the sales conference because the sales conference had brought up that for any, you know, a salesman or any, any industry, there's actually a limited number of, of oppositions to your sale. And you can actually, you can categorize them, you can bring them down. So once you have an answer to each of those, you can just give that to your salespeople. You don't have to have an individually expert salesperson because you could say it goes here. If you did that with operations, and, and I know that that's something that you guys are doing, you're questioning that, then the number of things that get brought to the owner is much minor, right? If it falls under these categories, here's what you do. If it falls in this category, now you bother me. And giving that owner time to to devote to the growth of their business rather than to deal with a maintenance issue, which they don't have to deal with. It's really clearly defined. Hey, what are your policies? What are your practices? Um, what are your preferences? What are your expectations? And, you know, have, have a means of either training your staff or, or technology tool to help support so that all of those pieces are, are actively integrated into your troubleshooting process. When you, when you get on the phone with, with a tenant or you're responding to a, a you know, portal uh, uh, that, that somebody, so, you know, request somebody submits in a software portal, um, being able to look at it and, and make the determination quickly. Okay, where does this lie? Is this a plumbing issue? Is this an HVAC issue? Is this a, a general maintenance issue, right? And then based on that initial distinction, then go ahead and, and quickly classify, is this an emergency or is it not an emergency? Um, because right there, you know, if it is an emergency, then really, regardless of hour of the day, you need to get a service vendor out there because it's going to threaten the property. It's an active water leak, right? That every minute that goes by, you know, uh, saturates the, the carpet and the ground beneath it or, you know, comes down the wall, what have you. That's creating real lasting damage to the property that's going to be very expensive to fix. Um, on the flip side, you know, if, if it's a non-emergency um, and your policies and practices help you make that determination, you know, you can look at it and you can say, look, this can wait until regular business hours. I don't have to pay you know, an, an, a vendor an after hours rate. I just need to be able to effectively communicate to the tenant to manage their expectations that, you know what, any tenant issue, you know, it's, it's to the tenant, it's, it's the center of their universe. They could be contacting you about an overflowing toilet or a backed up toilet or you know, a faucet that's not working in one of the seven bathrooms in the, in the home, right? And to them, that's, that's an emergency. That's the center of their world. And the trick is, is, is to make them understand that, you know what, we're here to help. It's the center of our world as well. But 
let's manage expectations, okay? You've got six other bathroom faucets that, that you can use, right? We're gonna get somebody out to you just as soon as we can, but it's understanding and being able to, to kind of balance the difference between importance and urgency. Um, and that's, that is a trainable skill that I've, that I've seen a lot of our very, very strong property managers you know, exhibit and pass on to staff. But it's also something that if you don't really have down, um, you're, you're leaving money behind because you're either losing it in terms of you know, emergency dispatches that shouldn't be emergency dispatches and, and property owners are pushing back. Why am I paying you know, an exaggerated rate for this when you could have waited till the next day? Property owners are stepping back and saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the company down the street. I'm not going to have to deal with this there. Um, you know, th there's all kinds of ways that, that experience and effective processing um, can, can mitigate cost. Um, if, if you don't take them as seriously as you should, it's, it's really going to hurt your margins. One of the things I find interesting about that is that because of that situation, uh, you know, the emergency, not emergency, the area where it seems most of the owners have to get engaged is not at the highest emergency level, right? Correct. Like the toilet's overflowing, it's flooding right now. That's, a, that's done. I don't need to ask Bob what's going on. I got to call the plumber right now. It's where it's like, it's that, where is that line? Yeah. You know, there you're going to, is it emergency or it's not? And, and yeah, processes and procedures and policies. I mean, that's the, that's the way around that. It's, it's absolutely, it's a gray area. And I'll, I'll give you an example. And this is a, this is a shameless plug for, for us, but you know, <laughs> we, um, we, we go through an extensive onboarding with every one of our new customers. And in fact, we re repeat it to, to a minor degree every three months to make sure we're current. But what we do is we ask customers 147 different questions, 147 of them. I bet and, they love that. I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, yeah, and you know what we do? We normally give them default answers to about 80% of them. So they can oh. look at it and say, you know what, that makes sense to me, just leave it like that. But they do have the opportunity to change it if a change applies. So a follow up on that is, so then you are, you're calling in, you're asking these questions. What percentage of property managers already have some form of this process or a decision going on? Tree. A decision yeah. tree, thank yeah. you. Yes, or a decision tree. Almost all of them have to at least a minor degree, some form of decision tree in place. Uh, now, the, the maturity of those trees varies drastically. Um, and, and to be quite honest, I have not yet found one that is as comprehensive um, as, as ours, which it, ours really has to be. I mean, our, our business relies on it. Um, but, it, you know, some property managers, they, they've, they've got it down, others don't. Some are, are relative startups, and they've thought through maintenance to the nth degree already. In fact, they've thought through it too much for where they're at. You know, they've wasted time on it. Um, others are, you know, they've, they've got a thousand units under management, and the way that a, a tenant plumbing issue is, is treated at 2 p.m. by, you know, the office admin, John, is completely different than the way the exact same issue is treated an hour later by Jennifer. And the reason why is those processes and standards really, they're, they're just not what they should be. And it, it results in, you know, wasted time, wasted money, um, mistakes, um, bad decisions. And, and you know, those things are, you know, you build a few of those on top of one another, they can really become catastrophic. My takeaway from um, our conversation so far has been, you know, step one to, you know, getting more profitable as a property management company involved in maintenance is to know your number, step one. And step two seems to be to standardize your processes, make sure you have a decision tree that covers majority of the things that will come up. That way you can also trust the people implementing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and make sure that 
everyone's doing um, the same thing or handling issues the same way. What would you say would uh, be the, the third step? I would actually put step two as the third step. I would say that there's, there's a step, you know, one A or, or step two I'd insert in there. Um, and, and that is, you know, certainly the, every attempt to, to mitigate, you know, your, your cost, your expense exposures is important to pursue. Um, but it's equally important to make sure that you're doing the right thing in terms of turning it into an actual profit center, that you're safeguarding those revenues that really are due to, to you as a property manager. Understand your market, which PMs do, right? And, and have a feel for, hey, what is acceptable in my market? What's an acceptable override in my market? Owners are going to face them anywhere. And they should. They should want to face them. It's what incentivizes the individuals at these companies to do a good job and to make sure that they're on top of it. Um, but, but find out exactly, you know, is my standard rate 15%? Is it 20? Is it 25? Is it 10? Do, have I gone ahead and uh, effectively built out my, my vendor list? Have I got high quality vendors that I've found that, you know, that, that relationship is so important to me because they come in 30% under market on their labor hours when they, they get a call from me. And all of a sudden, wow, that's a big margin that I can cut into with a little bit of a higher override for me. Um, understanding where those revenues come from and can come from is, is equally important. Yeah. Right. Cause it, if you, you have to be careful and you were saying this earlier about making sure that what you do makes sense for your clients too. Absolutely. So if a Absolutely. Owner goes and does their own research and you're charging 50% more, a hundred percent more than what they could get on their own. That becomes a problem and becomes a point of friction that you either need to overcome or, um, you know, and or one explain. way or the other, or explain yeah. exactly. Just because you're charging more doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. Maybe you're doing something above and beyond. Right. It's overhead. Like, yeah. yeah, it could be, this is our cost. This is the cost to court. You got it. it. And it's, it's like, it's like any charge, right? If you can present and properly explain the value of it, then, you know, 90% of your people understand. Yeah. You'll, you'll always have 10% that'll dispute it, no matter how nonsensical the dispute yeah. is. But 90% of them are going to understand. People like to know what they're getting for what they pay for yeah. too. So it's like, you're always going to get, even the people that are 100% fine with whatever, mm -hmm. they'll still ask so they can say, oh yeah, that does make sense. Sure, of course. Their choice is, is simple. It's either I charge you when I have to do this extra work or I add on to my basic monthly fee for against what's happening uh, eventually. So, and if you have somebody that doesn't have a lot of maintenance requests, you're paying it. So, um, I think most people are, are happy with the idea as long as they know up front that like, here's what my maintenance, you know, what my, my management fee covers. When maintenance comes up, it's dealt with on a case by case basis because I don't want to charge you for time that I'm not spending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Is there any myths you would like to bust about uh, maintenance and property management? Uh, well, just one, I don't know how many people will agree with me, but you know, um, Maintenance doesn't have to be the, the headache that most people, most property, and people in the property management industry um, seem to, to, to think it is. Whether it's a startup operation or an extremely mature large scale operation, um, you know, we, we've come across, across examples, multiple examples of, of both that they've got it wired tight. They really, really do. They've thought through what they need to do. They've thought through how they want things handled. Um, whether they, they outsource, you know, some of their support to a third party like, like Abodia, whether they do it all in-house, whether they've got an advanced, you know, platform that helps them with automation or whether the decision making takes place, you know, with, with a human being every time. Um, they, they, they've mitigated those costs. 
you know, there's, there's different ways that a property management company can handle maintenance. It can be all outsourced. They can have themselves a handyman and they outsource the big stuff, or they can have themselves a maintenance arm. Have you seen, is there a difference in profitability between the three? Like, is there a best way to go? Or uh, uh, is it simply, you can make money any of those three ways. It's just up to doing it right. It comes down to two things. It comes down to scope of service and customer experience. Um, how, how broad, you know, what's the depth and breadth of that, you know, scope of service that you're looking to provide and, you know, how much do you want to invest in that customer experience? Um, you know, what we've seen, you know, we've done, done the math and, and um, at that 400 to one ratio based on, on, you know, taxes, recruiting fees, uh, you know, your average payroll, et cetera, et cetera. We averaged the average and, and we came out and said, you know what, it, it looks like in today's day and age, it's about 52, 53,000 for, for a maintenance coordinator who really is that person in house that, you know, uh, it goes ahead and, and orchestrates, the, 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 the service for the, the portfolio of properties assigned to them. Um, you know, you break that down, you use the 400 to one ratio, et cetera, et cetera. You come out to about $10 and 90 cents a month per unit in cost associated with maintenance coordination for each one of those 400 units, assuming that ratio. Um, there are a lot of options for that money. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to cost any maintenance coordinator their, their job. I'm, I'm not, that's not what I'm, I'm looking to do. I'm just saying there, there are efficient ways to run your business. And, you know, you may not be, uh, your portfolio may not be sizable enough that, it, it's, it, that it's, a, it's a real option for you to, to turn to an external company or to invest in a certain software or to, to go ahead and, and maintain the, the best vendors the, the, with, the, with the five-star ratings across the board. You may not be at that point. Um, but it, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, you, you can't operate within, you know, within the, the, the boundaries that, that you have um, and expand your business, you know, and, and, and push those boundaries out so that you can, you can do better. So Matt, Abodia handles a lot of maintenance calls. So you've got your hands on some, some good statistics that some of our listeners may not have. What, for instance, is, say, the average amount of time uh, it takes to handle a maintenance call or, you know, how many... How many calls per door per month kind of thing are you seeing? Because you're handling a lot more calls than your average uh, property management company. Yeah, and here's, here's the, I can give you an answer to that, but the, there's a, a definitive caveat in place. Um, it varies wildly by company. Um, even within a specific service level, like for example, our, our, uh, our silver program, right? Um, and the reason behind it is a lot of it is influenced by you know, how much proactive tenant training have they done, right? Um, have, have they gone in and have they managed expectations with the tenant? Have they clearly defined, hey, here are the things that you're accountable for. Here are your responsibilities. Don't be calling us up if you've got this issue or this issue or this issue because we're expecting you as the tenant to, to own that yourself. Uh, and some companies very clearly communicate that and so it drastically mitigates the number of calls that we would receive from their customers. Others, they may do it or they, or, or they may they do it badly or, or not enough. And, you know, then suddenly we, we get tons of calls in. The, the way that we describe it is this. There, there are a number of, of software companies that, that offer, you know, some type of maintenance support product. And for, for a lot of property managers out there, hey, that may be a great fit for them. And if it is, more power to them. Fantastic. Happy about it. Um, we, we certainly don't begrudge anyone anything. Um, but in the end, this is how we look at it. You know, we're not a technology company. Um, you wouldn't come to us to, to program your software platform. So 
So why would you go to a technology company to do your customer service? Um, you know, it, it, it really comes down to that. It's, it's not just our specialty. It is our, our exclusive focus. Um, and, and so, you know, all the automation in the world can be very helpful. You know, it, it, it can, it, it's like that, the phone jail that we've all found ourselves in from time to time, right? You try to connect with customer service at a company, you hit that IDR. And after you've pressed 25 buttons later, you're still not speaking with a human being. Um, well, that's because as good as programming and automation can be, it, it can't predict the unknown. It can't predict the, the tone or the temperament of the caller or how I view it is different than how you view it or how John views it or how Marie views it. Um, there, there are too many things that are unaccounted for. And, and if, you, if, you, if you want to, to send your tenants through that, that type of, of software to, to mitigate the, the amount and the cost of human exposure that they have, um, then hey, you know what? It's there for you. And, and I'm not going to say that it's good, bad, or otherwise. It's completely up to you. Um, yeah. we don't do I, I think you hit on something really interesting because as you mentioned earlier on, right? Your company asks like a hundred, how many? Forty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> so like a lot of questions, right? When you onboard a client and it's all with the intention of building a robust decision tree. And when you're thinking about automation, a lot of it is decision tree. You feed a decision tree to a machine and it spits out results based on that. But as you probably have experienced, right? Even with your hundred plus, plus, plus questions, you keep adding questions because one day somebody encounters a problem that you never accounted for. How often do you guys keep adding questions? Last month we added 17 questions. It was 130 up until last month. Um, and, and what ends up happening is it's, it's a little bit, um, you, you describe it as, as a decision tree and to, to, a, to a degree it is, but it's, it's actually um, kind of a multidimensional decision tree, right? Because we have three components that, that we focus on with, with our maintenance coordinators. The first one is, is the training and the product knowledge component. Independent of any software, what any, you know, any direction that a guided help tool sends you on, it's, you know, our, our people have to understand, hey, what, what are the different types of thermostats? How, how, what are the different types of, of heating systems? What are the, the primary components and, and the primary pain points with these? You know, same thing for electrical, for plumbing, et cetera. Um, and, and they have to know that but before we would endorse them from, from our training program to ever get on the phone with a tenant. Um, but we do support them with an actual troubleshooting tool, which is, and I will say this and, and, and be very happy to do so and put my money where my mouth is, far and away the most comprehensive tool in the industry. Um, and, and the beauty of the tool is that though it is a decision tree, which sometimes can have 30 different steps based on the flow of the conversation and the amount, number of questions we need to pinpoint the exact problem with the, with the tenant, um, it is completely integrated with a separate module, which is that 147 policy questions. So that, that decision tree is used differently for every single customer we've got because every single customer has different responses to those 147. And it's the combination of the two with that, that you know, maintenance coordinator's knowledge that they've gotten from training and from, from previous positions in the industry um, that, that really create that end product, which is, hey, we know what we're talking about. We've gone ahead and defined it correctly as an emergency or non-emergency according to the, the, the customer's wishes. And we've taken it a step further and identified the root cause and we've gotten the right vendor out there based on the prioritized list that the customer has provided to us. Um, and we've gotten them out there in, you know, as, as quickly as possible to address the tenant's issue based on the severity of the issue. And if it's in a, a, a closed water flow issue where it's a leak or if it's an unabated water flow and creating damage and 
all of these variables come into play. Um, there are lots of systems that are, are technology-based that, you know, they operate on standards because logarithms like standards. Logarithms aren't real happy with a constant stream of variables, right? Um, well, that's where the human component comes in, and, and we like variables. Uh, we're, we're happy with them. So the idea that the... Uh, I think the, the idea that you can control more of your maintenance costs than you think you can. You don't know what's going to happen and when, mm -hmm. but for instance, one of the things, tenant training, making sure they know this, giving them clear instructions, um, you know, maybe, maybe even, God forbid, something to hang on the fridge or something like yeah. that. No, no, not God forbid. Actually, that, that's a very effective tool. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can actually get a better handle on your costs by bringing the amount of time your maintenance coordinator has to spend with people. Absolutely, and a, a, key, a key part of it as well, and, and this was you know, reflecting back on, on the module, the presentation that we did was, you know, it's promote tenant accountability is one thing, but insist on tenant accountability is another. And one of the things that we recommended was, look, there, there's a lease, certainly, right? And, and the lease that a tenant signs covers just about everything under the sun, and there's, there's small print, and there's fine print, and there's this, and there's that. And, you know, our recommendation is no, 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 no. Create a separate, you know, tenant responsibilities and accountability document, a separate document that you have them sign when they sign the lease, something that does not have small print, does not have fine print, specifically mm -hmm. calls out, hey, this is your role. You're the tenant. You live here, right? These are your responsibilities. And, you know, you'd be above and beyond that, you know, it's, um, you can even diagram, a, okay, when this happens, here's what you need to do. If you need to escalate it, here's who you need to call. Here's when you need to call that person. You know, I call it a my talk diagram, but it's got any number of names. The whole idea behind it is train them and make them sign for it. Make them sign so they understand that, hey, you know what? If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, if I don't check the, the, the batteries in the thermostat, but I call this in as an emergency air conditioner, you know, being broken issue, it's 105 degrees outside. Um, and I failed to do just my simple due diligence piece of making sure that that thermostat has good batteries in it. And I dispatch a vendor at three o'clock in the morning and pay that exorbitant rate for him to go out there and change the batteries. That cost should not be pushed back to the property owner. There's no property manager who wants that cost going back to the property owner. That needs to be on the tenant. And, and when you've told them in advance, you've managed their expectations, you've told them, hey, here's what you have to be accountable for. And you've got your you know, signature on the bottom line it becomes very, very easy to do that. And it also discourages tenants from just willy-nilly calling up and saying, oh, my water pressure's down, can you come take a look? Oh, the, the paint chips in the basement are flaking a little bit, can you come take a look? I mean, it, it, it creates a reasonable relationship. And some people go even farther than that. We have some customers uh, that, you know, we, we produce videos for, for uh, uh, yeah. the blogs and stuff that, which are generally pointed out at owners. I had some guy early on that wanted to do some tenant ones. I'm like, well, I'll totally help you produce them, but I don't know if it's going to get you any business. He goes, no, no, no. And one of the things he's in Vegas is sprinkler systems. <sighs> when he went down to his contractor that had all of these for their training, all these different sprinkler system control panels, right. he had that person go down and point out the different features of the different control panels and how you did different things and how to know if it was broken. Yeah. And, and he was like, he's like, no, it didn't get me any extra business. But my costs went down, and I make them sign to say they've watched the video. And yeah. I, I've seen ones about just like garbage disposals too. Yeah, yeah. it's like here's a, a, a one minute video if just your garbage disposal yeah. isn't working before you give us a call. 
Because most of the time, that is something you have to charge the tenant for because they threw a shot glass in the garbage yeah. disposal. Yeah. I've never done Not that. That's a story. Um, <laughs> and here's, here's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was it. But it's like those videos are. are I, I was just going to say, here, here's the thing. All of that is, is really in the tenant's best interest. You know, yeah. you, does, does a tenant really want to, to wait what could be two, eight hours, maybe even a full day to have an HVAC technician come out to the house to change the batteries that you could have checked on your own if you just knew that was your responsibility and that was one of your steps that you had to take, right? Of course, I'm going to want, I'll run up to Walgreens, I'll come back with batteries, plug them into the thermostat. I don't want to wait however many hours without my AC when it's 105 degrees outside. Uh, same thing with the garbage disposal. I don't want to not use it or whatever's in there starts to smell or it's in the tenant's best interest. And yeah. it's very, very easy to communicate to them that, hey, this is gonna make your quality of life better. So, And some things are so easy. You bring up the garbage disposal. Sure, at my last house, my garbage disposal had this funky system with turning it on so that it didn't get electric and water. And I'm trying to turn it on and it's not turning on. And I call in and the maintenance tech for the, the rental thing there is like, well, it may just be in a flat spot. Look underneath, there's a wrench down there, there's a hole on the bottom, turn it, I did that and a minute later, it's fine. They would have sent somebody out and not just the payment, but I had food in there. It yeah. was gonna smell, it was gonna yeah. attract bugs yeah. or whatever. I got it done in a minute and a half. And now you, know? you feel accomplished. Oh yeah, now I'm, I'm a total, you know, plumbing. You're pump, gratifying the yeah. So on average, right, 50% of, of the maintenance requests that we get are in fact non-emergencies. Yes. Now, there's some of those that, that, hey, you know what, just because they're not an emergency, it doesn't mean that they're not gonna need a service vendor. Right. A lot of those are going to require that a service vendor be sent out during regular office hours. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's fine because, you know, in truth, if it requires a service vendor, whether it's an emergency or not, a property manager wants to get a vendor out there. They, they want to take care of the property. They want to maintain it correctly for the tenant, for the owner. And importantly, right, they, it's a revenue stream for them. So they, they want to get it taken care of. But what they don't want to do is be inundated with whatever percentage of that 50, right? Is, is accounts for things that should really just be the tenant responsibility. If there'd been a little proactive training, they wouldn't have gotten those calls to begin with. They wouldn't even have to worry about them. There would be no overhead at all associated with them because it'd be non-issues. Um, that that, that can, can, can really influence, you know, your, your maintenance costs and, and, and you know, the amount of, of resources that you need to allocate. And lessen your negative tenant reviews. Yes. That's yeah. right. And property owner reviews. That's right. That's right. Um, it also, it's like, and in, I feel like this is just reiterating what you already said, but the more of those non-issue issues that you have to weed through to get to the real problems, the longer it's going to take those real problems to get addressed. Absolutely right. So it helps the communication. It helps the reliability. It like kind of brings all of that stuff full circle. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I have, we have a bunch of knowledge here. I think for us, what we want to know from you, we talked about a bunch of points. We talked about like knowing your business, knowing your numbers, communication being such a huge, important thing, training your tenants of all of the points that we discussed, what would you say is the, the most important thing to focus on for somebody taking anything away from here? Um, well, keep in mind, you're talking to somebody who's, who's a business analyst at heart, right? And, and so I am very, very much a numbers guy with, with all things. And it's ironic being that I've, I've made my career in, in customer service. But um, 
you can learn so much so quickly if you if you stay on top of your numbers. You, you really, really can. I mean, you can run a root cause analysis and you can identify where's the wasted time? Where's the wasted money? How can I reallocate you know, 20 hours a week to help me with sales? How can I do this? How can I turn what's currently a cost into somebody who's generating money for me? Um, and you, know, you can guess at that or you can do the analysis and, and, and know what you need to do and do it effectively the first time. But so step one is look at your, like always look at your numbers. And separate. You separate might not have numbers. to worry about the other things if that might not be the issue. So it's like, just look at that. Ben Paul, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for making time for us today. Um, wonderful, wonderful information. Now I feel like an expert in maintenance. I know. Don't you? Don't you? I feel like I am. I'm 100% not. But <laughs> I will call Matt at Avodia if I need anything. Well, you guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And John, I have to tell you. I'm envious of that beard. I'm coming after you, man. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to That's why I don't do as many podcasts. I want to keep that envy down. As he's he's our like hipster CEO, too. We were looking at pictures of him from a couple years back, and somebody's like, D is John, does John have Benjamin Button syndrome? Great page. He was so much younger now. It's the beard. It's the hipster it's the beard. beard. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Take care, Matt. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me.